Hello, friends, and welcome once again to everybody's favorite therapy theme podcast. This is This Changes Everything. I'm your host, Sarah, and with me, as always, is the guy who makes us feel better, even when we're talking about stuff that maybe will make us feel sad. It's Therapy Jeff. <laughs> Hi, Therapy Jeff. Hi, Sarah. And I guess that's... Uh... That's that's something that can happen in therapy a lot where right. you go and you talk about your sad stuff, but hopefully you walk out maybe not yeah. feeling better, maybe feeling better, but feeling yeah. heard, feeling understood, yeah. feeling more clear. You know the word I hear a lot? Lighter. Mm, mm-hmm. lighter. I feel lighter. You know, it's not maybe that all of the sadness is gone, but the heaviness of it is a little yeah. bit lighter. Yeah. Yeah. It's a place where you unload all the yeah. stuff. I haven't been to therapy in a minute. I need to go. Oh God. I was I sometimes been, yeah. my supervision turns into therapy and feel like <laughs> Oh yeah. That, so, I've been there know. before. Yeah. yeah. I, I've been going to the same therapist for maybe a couple years now. And it was funny, yesterday or a couple days ago, no, yesterday I had therapy mm-hmm. and I was talking about my mom and my family and maybe I'll talk a little bit about that as we go through these questions. But yeah. uh I was talking about how when I was really, uh, when I was a teenager, I was really sad. And, and, um, instead of being sad, I decided to be really angry. And sometimes Mm. like if you're angry instead of sad, then you can be more, you can have more energy. You can like get those needs met, like do something about it. Like nobody was meeting my needs. I was very sad about it. It's like a more active. Yes, exactly. uh, Emotion in a way. And my therapist like said, one of these things where it was just sort of like a, it wasn't like trying to be the most healing thing that she's ever said, but the way she said it or because she said it and the way that I received it, it like really made a difference. And so I was like, I used to be sad and and, and then I turned really angry and I'm so mad that I turned angry because now there's this like angry adolescent that's still inside of me and hasn't gone away. And she was like, oh, well, it sounds like you going from sad to angry was very adaptive. <laughs> and right. I was like, it was adaptive. Yes. Like that was just me like adapting to my environment <sighs> and getting my fucking needs met in whatever way I was going to get them met no matter what. And she just said it and just kept on talking, but that really stuck with me. And yes. that's why we love therapy. And that made me yes. think about like, what are all the little, like almost like throwaway things that I say during a session that I don't even think is like super healing, but is received as incredibly healing. Right. Um, they're yeah. always little things. They're it's just like, oh, the, you said yeah. this thing the other week. I'm like, well, that, yeah, great. That worked <laughs> for me. I have no idea, but yeah. You know, I think you're, what you realize is like we're all just kind of doing the best we can at any moment. And anything that we – like every behavior serves a function. It's there to protect you, to keep you safe, to – in your little kid brain, your little adolescent brain, that was the best you could come up with at that time. Mm-hmm. And now you might come up with different things and better things. Or if you use that same tool, it might not be as effective for big grown-up problems that you have now and big grown-up relationships. Now you have more tools. And mm-hmm. if you were somebody who had an entire toolbox full of tools, but continuously reach for the duct tape, you'd be a shitty handyman. Like we would not be fixing, actually fixing the problem. You need to use more of the tools that you have now. So, you know, maybe the going from sadness to anger is like the duct tape solution. And now you have more tools and know how to use them and you can use them. Exactly. Oh, yeah. that's really good, Sarah. Thanks. <laughs> I like it's like I practice this every I know. single you should do this for a day. Little bit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the, I feel like the, 
a throwaway comment. It's not really a throwaway, but like a, a basic comment that I say as a therapist all the time, which I think lands as can, that can be really healing sometimes mm-hmm. is I'll say to my clients like, oh, that sounds really um, developmentally appropriate. Uh-huh. <laughs> Where I'm just like, yeah, I'm normalizing the yeah. way that you used to act or that you're I'm currently steal acting. That one. Developmentally. How developmentally appropriate of you to yeah. behave that way? Because there's always so much shame, right? Like, yes. I can't believe I acted. This the feelings way. about the feelings. Yes, exactly. What the, we are, we add so much to our own, mm-hmm. like, ugh, you know, stress yeah, to our and, suffering. And, yeah, know. to our suffering, exactly. And we're just doing the best we can, you know. We're all just, just like, doing the best we can. Just trying there. to be like, we're just like little right? people trying to like do, I don't know, live this little people life on this <laughs> crazy world with no instructions. I know. Ugh, but you know who's And terrible not? examples, most of us. <laughs> right? What the like, heck? feels like nobody, except for me, is doing the best that they can. <laughs> but <laughs> really, you look around. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, I got so, I lost my fucking mind yesterday. Oh, Yeah. When I was on the phone for four hours with Comcast, oh. I I become the worst version of myself. And I also feel so bad for the people that I'm talking to who are trying yes. their best, oh, but are God. doing the worst. But it's not even their fault because it's big Comcast's fault. Right. Oh, my God. And was- they're, you know what? They're giving you all – they're giving you – Exactly what their hourly wage is is oh, sure. worth in energy. Oh, yes. twelve dollars an hour. They're giving you twelve dollars worth yeah. of give a shit. Yeah. So, like, can we really be mad at them? No. No. So I get right. mad and then I effusively apologize. Oh, gosh. and they're just. I like, have heard this story from multiple people where people even <laughs> called back, like, and we're like, "I'm so sorry. I was I, I was in a bad place. It, uh-huh. This is good. We're learning. Okay, so go on." And they're also like, they must be trained to not be reactive, to like not yell back at me because they're just like talking to me and reading their script and trying their best. Uh, and I I want them to go off script. I want them to be like, I'm just as upset as you are. This is so stupid. But they can't. They can't really say that. So then I like beg for validation. (laughs) And they're just like, please let me read my script, guy. Like we're trying to get you to where you need to go. I just need you to understand this. This is like every girlfriend in a fight. (laughs) (laughs) You're not hearing me. No, they don't. But like after You're just providing solutions. I don't want a solution. (laughs) I know. Can somebody please tell them to be like emotionally validating to the human experience? That would have made the whole thing so much better. Every job needs like a therapist on staff to be like, "Eh, here's how we could say that better. Yeah. But I get it. I do the same thing. I I tend to get like that with anything like like bank teller or anything like money related because money stuff makes me really anxious Mm -hmm. and uh, overwhelmed. And so when I feel... Like I'm, you know, not uh, yeah, no. the smartest one in the room, I guess, <laughs> or that I, I have to like react and, and, and put people down and I am my worst self in those situations. We all do it. We, do, we all do it, but we have the option to be better next time. And like, hopefully we have the awareness and the, we do have know. the option. I guarantee I will not be better <laughs> the next time I talk to Comcast. I will never be better. So I don't care. Uh, 
let's so that's so we're talking about one bad thing let's talk about a different bad thing yeah that's yeah. my transition or bad should we really label it bad more just like another part of the human Everything's experience bad sarah no just, everything is either good or bad like stopping a therapist <laughs> no that, yes good point this isn't bad this is right. just this can be a hard thing we're going to talk about grief yes yes, yes. this mm-hmm. is a topic we've talked about before and we will of course talk about again and you guys have wrote in and asked some wonderful questions about grief so let's dive right in, shall we? We shall. Swim in some grief. <laughs> let's do it together. We're going to get through this. We've gotten, we got like some really good feedback on our grief episodes. Mm-hmm. So maybe we should like continue to do grief every now and then. Yes. Uh, send in your griefy questions because it helps us guide the episode. The first question we got is when do you know that you are fully healed and ready to date again you mentioned that stages of grief are not linear i have mentioned that and it is super fucking annoying uh so if the stages of grief are not linear how do you know when you are actually done grieving and fully healed and do you actually need to be fully healed to date again Fully healed is maybe setting ourselves up for some sort of unrealistic expectation of like what that, you know, like, what does that even mean? Like, how would you know with your actions? And like, if we were watching you, like ghost of Christmas future, kind of like peeking in on your life, Mm -hmm. what are you doing in your day-to-day life that would let you know like, oh, look at me there in the future. I'm fully healed. Because sometimes we think there's like some like big like list of things, but it's really just like a, A, we're like maybe always going to have moments of pain and, and suffer, sorrow and, and grief and, you know, mm-hmm. like just have to work towards acceptance. But maybe there's this idea that we're going to be like not experiencing any painful emotion and I don't think that's realistic. So, I agree. I agree with you, Sarah. Uh, yeah. I, I, it's a good question. What does fully heal mean, mean to you? Uh, and I don't think there ever is going to be a point where you're a hundred percent fully healed. Um, so it, it's it's not so much like are you fully healed, but are you enough healed? You know what my mind just thought of is like mm. a, a like a sprained ankle or like a broken bone or something like that, where like maybe that's still like a little weak for a long time, but and needs like, you know, to do stuff with it to kind of build up some strength back into it. But, you know, there's like that period of time where like it's not fully healed, but you're just kind of testing it out a little bit. Mm-hmm. And maybe you've like gone from the full cast to like the walking cast. We can like do the same kind of thing in a relationship. And this is what like casual dating is for. Maybe we don't need to jump and like dive back into a relationship. You will know when maybe you are not as run by the fears of the past and applying those to your current relationship Mm -hmm. or the person that you're dating right now, when there's like enough time to see the person that you're dating. And that is like a, a separate thing without a lot of influence and and like echoes are from the past right. i don't know yeah exactly and we we kind of want you to get back out there on the field when you're even when you're still feeling like a little achy or a little bit of pain so that we can see yes how you are and how you react and and where you are in your healing process 
So waiting to be fully healed before you get out there, like we don't even know if, how healed you are if you're still sitting on the sidelines nursing your injury, right? Totally. You have to get yeah. out there. And you and know when you it. like have it, you're like, oh, I don't know if I could put weight on it. I don't know. And then mm-hmm. you're like, oh, it's even though I haven't moved for a long, it's stronger than I thought it was. This is this is a very applicable metaphor. Yes, like, exactly. Yeah, I like this. And you can we'll go, go out on a date and have a good time and then later that night feel a lot of grief because you miss your ex and then wake up the next morning and feel less grief. Like it just sort of – you're going to experience how the grief comes up and goes away. And so, yeah, so because grief isn't linear and you don't just go through like all the stages one at a time, it is tricky to figure out like when you've processed enough grief or when you're healed enough – so you can get out there. So like me and Sarah are saying, go ahead and 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 get out there and start dating again. But also know that like um you may there are some relationships that you're gonna have that maybe you'll never fully heal from that you could always think about and be sad uh, about, or that you're gonna get triggered five, ten, twenty years from now, thinking about the one that got away or the really traumatic breakup that you had or the betrayal that you experienced. It's okay if you're sad for the rest of your life, even though I hope that you're not sad for the rest of your life. That is a normal thing that could happen. There's a handful of exes in my past where I'm always going to feel some sadness, maybe because of my behavior, I could have done better. There's, you know, the narrative of I could have done better, I should have known better. Um, usually I try to battle that narrative with um, I did the best I could with the information and awareness that I had. Uh, that's another line that I repeat in like as a therapist all the time that I feel like doesn't usually sink in until maybe the 10th or 20th or 50th time that I say that. But it's, it's, that's, that's one of the ways to kind of start to heal through grief. If you're stuck on the forgiveness mm-hmm. state, like forgiving yourself sort of stage, yes. you know what I mean? And let's not forget that feelings serve a purpose. It, we don't want to be like, Oh, never experience any, we might still experience sadness and grief, but those are all things that tell us something. Feelings, are there to influence us and to maybe make changes or do things differently. Or it's that little voice that goes, Hey, remember when you did that thing and it made you feel really sad, even like now you feel bad about it. Let's not do that thing again so that we don't feel this way again in the future. Mm -hmm. That's okay. Those that's information that helps us make informed decisions or, or, if we listen to those feelings, we can have different outcomes in the future. Yeah, That's like what exactly. the feelings are there for. Yeah. If you want to look at it in like a really practical way of yeah. why feelings are there, right. that's the way to look at it. Uh-huh. Sometimes we're like, oh, this, I hate this feeling. I don't want to feel this. Like it's bad. It's uncomfortable. Like the phrase that, that I, I, I think in my head so much is, uh, smooth seas never made a skilled sailor. That mm. anytime things get hard, it I just have to be like, well, this is like practice for something else. It's going to be way harder, and that's okay. We gotta gotta experience and like some of these little life pains. Well, let's take a quick time out from this podcast to talk about another podcast that is so informative and I learned so much on, but also kind of terrified me. Mm -hmm. Every single day we are in a silent battle with our devices. I learned on there that the average person spends 11 hours 
engaged with technology. And that's like average. I'm pretty sure for me and Jeff and many other people listening, it's way more than that. So NPR has a wonderful new podcast out called The Body Electric. It's by NPR. It is all about our relationship with technology. Yeah. And it's it's good because you know, any podcast made by NPR is very good and very engaging, but also it kind of, it creates this thing where what we try to do on this podcast, where we try to make the unconscious conscious, we're like very Freudian about it, right? Where we want to let, you know, like, okay, this is, um, the behaviors that you're doing every day are impacting your mental health. And this is how you're being impacted. And I am on my phone all the time. I have this excuse, right? Because like I'm posting content, that's my job, but still, it's mm-hmm. it's not a good excuse, and my and mental it's definitely health, affecting you no matter what oh you're God, using it for. It's affecting me so much, and I, my mental health is good. However, I've never had to manage it as much as I've had to this past couple of years being yeah. excessively online. And this podcast gives me some like very practical tips so I can figure out how to like combat the negative mental health effects that I've been dealing with. And there are tips that I had no idea about. Mm -hmm. Uh, So highly, highly recommend. Uh, Sarah and I think that you should listen now to Body Electric on TED Radio Hour from NPR, wherever you get your podcasts. All right. Back to our show. And just to normalize this like specific question, um, I think maybe it was, yeah, a year ago or so The when I got out of a relationship of two years, um, that relationship ended. I eventually went on a first date. And while I was on that first date, I was just like, I should not be on this first date. Mm-hmm. I was playing, I like went out there, playing the field, testing the injury, seeing how strong or painful it was. And I was like, well, this isn't. But the the problem was that I went on that first date. It was a good first date. She also had a good time with me and she wanted to go on a second date. And there was this part of me that was just like, well, we had a good date and I'm still in a lot of pain and I need to do more healing, but I should just say yes, because I'm a nice person and let's see what happens. I did not say yes. I told her that this was way too soon. I'm very sorry. She was disappointed, but it was only one date. She didn't even know me yet. Like it was okay that I disappointed her and it was great because I was being honest and that's what she's wanting. That's what everybody is wanting. So if you do go on a date and you figure out that you're not actually ready to to date, ethically, you need to tell that person that you're not, right? That's a very good um, point to make. Or yes. if you want to continue to go on dates with that person, you you still need to let them know where you are on your emotional journey, letting them know that you're still processing an old partner, there's still grief that's coming up and you they kind of like you want them to consent to go to like <laughs> go on yes. this journey with you maybe or watch you go on this journey, I don't know. They need to know what you're going through instead of springing this on them 10 dates from now, right? Totally. You know, when I first got divorced, I was getting in that place where I knew I wanted to get out and date again, but I wasn't ready. Maybe knew I wasn't ready, but did that was not stopping me and I was just going to go out and do my thing. And it became very obvious in the first few dates I went on how not ready I was or or what where I was in that healing process. I should say I was not ready to let go of some of the things I was still uh, hurting from, from mm-hmm. the past relationship, because I uh, met somebody who 
was also freshly broken up. And we spent the entire date talking about our exes and like, like, oh, I see what this is. I've seen High Fidelity. If you haven't seen that movie, you should definitely see it. Anybody going through a breakup should see that movie. movie. It's Sarah, I'm going to interrupt you for a second. What? Just because there's, there's lots of controversy about that movie now. Do you know this? Oh, we, God. At first... <laughs> I just get a, it's so good. It's problematic on, in every way. Yes. We, yeah. <laughs> I, I recognize it. that. It's okay, not like he's yeah. doing things right. He's doing we've things gone, wrong. Um, we've gone on a whole journey. I feel like when that movie first came out, we all loved it. Yeah. And it was this very cute, adorable thing. And then it eventually turned into, we hate that guy. Yeah. And then it turned into like, we're all that guy. Yes. Really, when it comes down. Yes. And this is like a fantasy that we have, but we still, some of us still hate him. Yeah. So, okay. We're acknowledging the multi-layeredness mm-hmm. of that movie. Yes. Uh, yeah, but there's also that, like, that movie hits so hard because yes. we can all identify. We all want to be able to ask our exes. What's and up? we've all been that messy person who, like, mm-hmm. out of a relationship, it's just sloppy. It's messy. Yeah, so it's sloppy. it is right, and it feels chaotic. It fe- and that's why I think there are even th- these questions come in because we we feel that like guilt or shame or like no we should not be doing what we're doing but there's still the drive to do it it feels like it's in some way healing or therapeutic but like not really Mm -hmm. and it's very surface level and there i think the the examples of the attempts that he makes to have other people do his healing is mm. informative for mm-hmm. anybody who's like, I don't know, in the thirties and, and forties age group and maybe <laughs> yes. dating. Yes. Yeah. Highly recommend high, high fidelity. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Unless you hate high fidelity and think it's problematic, then we support then you. Don't watch it. Yeah, then don't listen to us. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Should I watch that again? I've watched that so many times. I freaking love the soundtrack. Oh, so good. Uh, anyways, next question. Next question. Uh-huh. Okay. How do you deal with the grief of not seeing or talking to your family, even though you were the one that created the distance by setting a healthy boundary? I miss them and I feel left out when they all go on vacation without me. I don't want to be on the vacation, but I'm sad I wasn't invited, but I would never accept the invite even if they wanted me to go. Am I going to be grieving this the rest of my life if I maintain the, this boundary? Okay. That's a hard place to be. I, well, yeah. So we're proud of you for setting yes. a healthy boundary with your family. Uh, it, I imagine that it was an incredibly difficult decision to make. I think that there's, you know, a little, uh, I don't know, PSA or something around here. There's a lot of content online, TikTok or Instagram, where there's a lot of people that are kind of like, if you've been wrong, then you need to set a boundary. You need to cut them loose. You need to not, we, that's okay, fine. If that's what you really feel like you need to do. But Sarah and I encourage you to try to repair relationships first. Mm-hmm. And we know that if you're going to create a boundary with your family, most likely you've been trying to repair that relationship for a very long time. Mm-hmm. So for you to make this very big decision is a really difficult one to make and shouldn't just be like hastily made. Right. right. Um. So, uh, proud of you. Yes. That must be very difficult. And, uh, it, and it's, and it's tricky because you're the one setting the healthy boundary. Um, and you're kind of like, 
you're stepping into, you're like inviting that grief in. So even though you're setting the boundary, it's okay that you're sad and that you miss them. It's, it's difficult though, to be like, I'm proud of myself and I miss them. I, I'm going to like do my own thing for the holiday season and look at me. I'm with my friends and chosen family. And I wish I was with my biological family. Um, and there's, there's so much grief around. Grieving the parents or the family that you wish you had, that you deserve. You deserve that mom or dad or caregiver or sibling or whatever, you know, but you didn't get it. And now you have to grieve the fact that you're never going to have it. And it's devastating. And now you have like this, this boundary and this limit that you set, which again, we're very proud of you. But life has, has, has shifted and now you're seeing them going on vacation without you. And you're saying that you don't want to go on that vacation, but you also do wish you were on that vacation. Those are still like, those are two opposite emotions to hold in your body at the same time is so fucking difficult. So difficult. Right? Yeah. Our body so, doesn't know what to do with that. It feels like it's made yeah. the right choice and the wrong choice and everything at the same time. Yeah. So it's it's about like being present with yeah. those feelings, honoring all the different parts of yourselves or versions of yourself or emotional experience that you're having. And I would say that like if you've set a boundary with your family, most likely you're going to be grieving it for the rest of your life. It might not be as intense as mm-hmm. you are in, uh, grieving it right now, or maybe it'll only be like really intense when you, during the holiday season or when you're, something gets triggered or something. Uh, but this is, this is a huge boundary. And yeah. so there will be some level of grief for the rest of your life, as long as you maintain this boundary, most likely. Yeah. And, you know, like you said, there's a lot of, of cutting off, I should say, that is, happening. And like you said, we want to give the opportunity for the repair. Does the family understand what the expectations are that they have to, like how they have to behave, how they have to act, what you are expecting from them in order for you guys to see each other, to hang out? You know, is there maybe vacation? That's a lot. (laughs) <laughs> but is there an opportunity? You know, it's hard for people to show us that they are making efforts to, like, mm-hmm. listen and change and and hold that boundary if we don't interact with them, if we don't right. talk to them or see them. Okay, well, let's take a quick time out to talk about one of our sponsors. You know, holiday season is right around the corner, and that's the gift-giving season. And... I like to give my partner something that's like everybody's going to benefit. I benefit, he benefits, his skin benefits, and something like a good skincare routine is going to do just that, right? Yeah, yeah. And the thing is, is that like I, I've i started to do, do my skincare routine maybe like a year ago I started. So mm. the, for the first 41 years of my life, I was doing no skincare routine. Oh, well, welcome. Uh, thank you. And and it's like eventually I was dating somebody and she was like, maybe you should try a little See, something. See, we're all pushing our partner. Like I'm like, why are – you can't just use – Two in one soap, like (laughs) from head to toe. I'm sorry, (laughs) stop. You're gonna turn into a leather bag. Let's take care of your skin. I gotta look at it for the next however many years. 
That's the thing is there, there actually is a real difference. I've been using the, like all the lotions and potions from Caldera, from Caldera lab for the last year. And I swear I've never looked better. Specifically, I like the, um, the stuff that you put around your eye, the icon eye serum. Yeah. Uh, cause it addresses the, like the fine lines or the dark circles and the puffiness that I get around it's my so eyes. It's so cute when you boys talk about skincare. <laughs> like we're so well versed in it. I'm like, yeah, those are crow's feet. I know. Yes. But it's real. I love that you guys are all hopping on board. And like Caldera yeah. makes it easy because they put everything in like a nice, you know, simple step by step system. The packaging is beautiful i love it. it's all black it looks so nice on our counter mm-hmm. what else do you want yeah it's perfect and i look amazing i don't know all the technical terms for all the little <laughs> things that my skin does but i know that i'm getting like getting so many compliments whenever i post a video on instagram so it's working fellas uh and just for our audience we have an exclusive deal uh you're not going to beat this offer anywhere you can use the code tce at calderalab.com and get 20 percent off Right now, get 20% off of the code TCE at calderalab.com to make unforgettable first impressions with the best gift this holiday season. Again, it's 20% off at calderalab.com with promo code TCE. Yeah, and they have those little gift sets, and then you just get one of those, and you put it in the stocking, and there, stocking stuffers, all done. You're done. You're welcome. You're welcome. One of the things that I talk to my clients about if they're thinking about making a really big boundary with their family is, okay, all right, if you're going to make that boundary, eh, I'm sure you thought about it. We've talked about it a lot. I support that. However, or also um, give them, give your parents a little map for them to find a way back to you. What, what do they need to do? Like Sarah's saying, in order for them to maybe start to like create a healing process with you. Um, For me specifically, like with the my, I don't talk to my mom and my sister right now. And I told them that the map to get back to this relationship is going to family therapy with me. If we can all agree to go to family therapy, that is the place that I want to do all the healing. We obviously can't do this on our own. We need a third party in there with us. When you're ready to do that, I will go to that family therapy session with you. Right. But until then, I'm keeping a boundary. I think that's a, you know, everybody's different, but that's a pretty fair, uh, uh, you know, requirement. And yeah. so often is that the thing mm-hmm. that is needed, the map, the, the trail to get back. And yes. it's crazy how people are like, I, I, I don't know. I can't go down that trail. I, I'm lost. I, I know. Right. I, the, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, but family therapy Oh my Oof. God. It is, it is, yeah. I, I think maybe the most intense therapy. Of course is it is. Therapy. It's the hardest therapy because you can't really hide in family therapy, right. right? Like if you're doing individual therapy, you get to tell whatever fucking story you want, right? Like <laughs> it's only your side. Yeah. The therapist knows this. We understand we're getting a very one sided view and we love you and support you and validate you. Mm-hmm. However, when a, when a family member comes in, oh my God, how mm-hmm. enlightening when that, when we experience that. So it's very vulnerable to go to family yes. therapy, but it can be incredibly healing. Just knowing the role that you play in your family. Yeah. And, the different roles that there are. Yeah. Ugh. There's, there's, 
I've, I've mentioned before, you know, there's like this boundary right now that I have with my mom and my sister. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm like very curious. I don't know like what's going to happen, you know, like, Mm -hmm. am I going to talk to them again? Are we going to go to family therapy together? And I don't think I've talked about this very much on the podcast, but I am a huge fan of psychics. I love, I love psychics. Did I mention that that's what my mother does for a living? Oh, that's right. Yeah. This is funny. Yeah. Okay. So there's, uh, there's like, I, when I was living in LA, there was this one psychic that I found and she was amazing. And she actually specialized in, uh, <laughs> this feels ethically, um, something. Okay. <laughs> she specialized in talking to coma patients. Whoa. So she would like go to the hospital and talk to the coma patient and be like, Hey, Coma patient, are you coming back or should your family just like pull the plug? And then the coma patient would tell the psychic and the psychic would deliver that information to the family. And I was like, that's a lot. I hope you have them sign some stuff, some waivers or whatever. Like that's a lot of power and influence that you're having on somebody's life and the family. And I was like, I want to talk to you. Wow. <laughs> Wow. sound amazing. Anyways, I talked to her like a few times before I moved to Portland. And then I talked to her during the pandemic, right mm-hmm. when like stuff, I, I like created a boundary with my mom and my sister. And I was like, hey, do you think that I'll ever talk to my mom and my sister? And, and the psychic was like, well, okay, I'm looking at your sister right now. And looks like she's going through some like really important character development stuff in her life right now. And so she could either go this way with her character development stuff, which means that she'll like develop in this way and then she'll reach out to you or she can go that way and she's not going to reach out to you. This is a good psychic. Yes. That's that's what they're supposed to, this, the whole like, it'll be this in a red car and this. No, right. that's not a thing. No. So this sounds good. Yes. So this psychic is, is all about like, here's your probable futures, but yeah. you have free will and you can change this. But this is like what I'm saying. But then, but then with my mom, she's like, no, your mom's never going to fucking reach out to you. <laughs> she's like, yeah. but you, it doesn't mean that you're never going to talk to her again. You're just going to have to be the one that does. But like, she's yeah. way too stubborn. Yeah. So I was as, like, as I've right. heard from my own therapist, there's not a lot of movement there. <laughs> exactly. Feel free to use that phrase again. Like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, Anyways, I don't know how we got down this rabbit hole, but uh, creating boundaries with your family is a, mm-hmm. is a whole thing. It really is. There is a wonderful technique, this guided meditation technique that I like to do with clients who are experiencing those two very different ideas. And you guys can do this at home. So what you're going to do is you're going to close your eyes and you're going to, you know, of course, like find a still space and, and, and focus on your breathing and do all that to get yourself in that nice, calm, you know, mental space. And in one hand, imagine the one feeling of grief and sadness and really picture like the weight of the feeling, how heavy it is and, you know, how much space it takes up. Maybe it has like some texture or something. I always think of that, like, you know, that character Pigpen from Charlie Brown yeah. and he's got like dust, like just everywhere. That's how I picture like sadness and all that. So it's just yeah. like this, like poor guy, like thing. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then, in the other hand, really feel the way of that. And then the, in the other hand, picture those positive feelings, those, the things that are uh, the reasons that you're 
doing what you're doing, the motivation, the uh, lightness in your heart from not having to, you know, put yourself in those situations or, or deal with all of that and feel those two feelings and, and the difference in your hand. And then could you, maybe not at first, but maybe you practice this and do it for a few minutes. Like the bathtub is a great place for all of this. Yes. <laughs> okay. If you're a bath person, mm-hmm. could you maybe bring those hands closer together, bring those feelings closer together. And eventually when you're feeling good about it, hold them both in your hand and almost imagine like putting them in your heart in they they can both exist in there they're separate but there's there's an awareness of the weight of each and it kind of allows us to feel them both mm-hmm. at the same time and have an awareness that they're there mm-hmm. so we don't feel like one is always battling to mm-hmm. take up more space you know yeah you're really just like accepting the duality of your emotional yeah. experience um and that's just it also just sounds like kind of like a loving exercise. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I love yeah. it. Love doing guided meditations with my clients. All right. Well, before we dive into our next question, let's take a quick break and talk about my favorite meal solution. You know, the holidays are coming up and I know that I'm going to be eating whatever the heck I want because that's what I do. I say, go for it. Tis mm-hmm. the season. But <laughs> I also know that I need to like balance that out with some healthy meals and I don't have a lot of time to think about this. So my solution always is Green Chef. You know, Green Chef is owned by HelloFresh. When I'm mixing it up and I want to do something that's like organic, super healthy, they've got like the keto option, you know, for Eli, and the paleo option, all that good stuff. Green Chef is my number one go-to meal prep it's great. Yeah, mine too. Uh, and like we've said before, it's if you do it with your partner or with friends or with family, it's very connecting. <laughs> it's a very intimate yeah. experience. And then you get to eat all the yummy things that you just got. Uh, and it's also like all the stuff that they send you is very sustainable. So Green Chef is the only meal kit that is both carbon and plastic, has plastic offset. Oh, I we, did not know that. Yeah, they offset 100% of their delivery emissions as well as 100% of the plastic in every box. So it's guilt-free. Oh, this right? is very good. Mm-hmm. That was something I wondered about. And now I can wonder no more. <laughs> wonder no more, folks. Yeah. It's convenient. It's easy. It comes uh, It comes like all prepared. You just have to open it up, chop it up, throw it on the oven or in the pan. And it's very delicious. Uh, Sarah and I Love it. And we think that you should go to greenchef.com slash 60TCE and use code 60TCE to get 60% off plus free shipping. Again, that's greenchef.com slash 60TCE and use the code 60TCE to get 60% off plus free shipping. That's right. Number one meal kit for eating well. There you go. All right. Next question. Uh, hi, Jeff. I'm really struggling with guilt and grief, ruining uh, the guilt and grief of ruining a good relationship because of my trust issues. It's been a year and he's happily in love with someone else and I'm still here. I can't find much advice on this. I just can't help feeling like I'll never find someone like him again. We just clicked. This is one of those, whenever you're like, how old are you? <laughs> I want right. to know. 
how old are you? Yeah. Um, yeah. Although this is a, a feeling that anyone can feel at any age, yeah. but I remember feeling this a lot more when I was younger of, yeah. oh no, this is the love of my life and it didn't work out and I'm never going to find anyone else ever again that we can click in the same exact way. And I think that I don't want to sound like some old person looking down on like a young person in a condescending way, but I think as an older person... <laughs> as a 42-year-old old old person um, that's had a lot of different amazing romantic relationships. It took a while for, like, I had to experience all those really good romantic relationships. I had to get out of a bunch of relationships where I was just like, oh, no, I'm never going to be in love again, and then fall in love again and see that actually that's not true. I will be able to click with somebody in the same way or in a different but better way or in a different but just different way that's just as great as it was before. Uh, So there's a lot of idealization that's going on here. If we just clicked, and I'll never be able to click with someone else just like that again, you know? Mm -hmm. And, you know, she's sitting here, I assume she, she ruined a good relationship because of her trust issues. Is it that that relationship, there was something about the dynamic in there that triggered a lot of those trust issues? Mm-hmm. That's something that we have to work on on our own and is still going to be there in that relationship. Like the, and, and in a way, don't you think the relationships we had when we were younger – like we we find people that confirm beliefs that we have about ourselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, nobody's going to love me. He's going to cheat on me. Whatever it may be, we tend to find the, ourselves in those relationships, and we will keep finding ourselves in those relationships until we do the work. So whether you guys break up or whether it's like with somebody else, there is going to be an amount of work that you have to do to work on those trust issues and recognize what it was about that relationship or about him or about the dynamic, uh, you know, both of you guys in that relationship that is bringing up those trust issues that you have. Exactly. Yeah. I agree with Sarah that, and you know, also when you leave a relationship and you're missing them and you're stuck in the grief, uh, there's a lot of self blame that goes on and there's that, that's actually, even though it doesn't feel good, it's kind of a way to feel like you have more power and control over the situation, totally. right? Because if I just would have changed, yeah. If it's all me, then I could do something about it. And it's exactly. Not- right. Yeah. So yes. that's kind of a convenient way to look at it, even though it feels bad. Uh, and like Sarah's saying, there's trust issues probably for a reason, whether it's yes. because he created it or just the dynamic of you two created it. Also, but fuck it. Like maybe, yeah, you are a hundred percent to blame. That's not true. But like, even if you're a hundred percent to blame, there's a level of forgiveness, self-forgiveness that you have to do. You have to do that after every single relationship, forgive yourself for some of, or all of the harm or whatever it was that you, you're an imperfect person. You are flawed. And sometimes you do things in relationship that are irreparable, That is not something I ever thought I would experience until I started to have more serious relationships. I did things that fucked things up or ended a relationship. And we're going back like earlier in this episode when I said you did the best you could with the information and awareness you had. Um, This is something that you really need to believe in the situation. Yes. That is hard. Present you is doing the best they can, making the best decision based on the information that they Mm -hmm. have in that moment. Future you, 
present you now might have different information, might know other things, but you got to trust that that past present you did the right <laughs> thing or the best thing the that best they knew how to do exactly. in that moment because mm -hmm. that's all we're trying to do here. Yeah. And it, it's easy to be like, but no, I didn't do the best I could have done. I should have done something else, but, but you didn't. <laughs> right. And you, you probably did do the best you could based on like the stress that you were under, the fear that you were feeling, the anxiety, the panic. Like you're not taking any of that into consideration. Um, yes, maybe you could have made a different decision if you felt totally grounded and solid and level, but you right. were going through a really tough time and feeling really upset. And so you just did whatever you could do to survive. Similar to what Sarah was saying earlier in this episode that like when you're a kid or you're a teenager, you do things to survive your fucking childhood yep. and look at how adaptive you were. Right. And so like, this was how you adapted to that situation. And now again, like Sarah's saying, you're going to use this information in order to grow and learn and understand. So in the future, you're going to do your best to not respond in the same way. You may or may not respond in the same way. We hope that you respond in a different way, but you might do this 10 times until you right. quote unquote, learn your lesson. Right. right. And then you look at what am I going to do to change? Because there must be something I'm bringing here to yeah. make this the same equation. Every right. time. If you're the common denominator and right. you keep on experiencing the same issue over and over again, then what are you doing? Are you magnetizing these people? Do these people actually make you feel really comfortable? Are you sabotaging yourself? Are you projecting a bunch of stuff from past relationships onto this? And what do you believe therapy? about yourself? Because mm -hmm. we will bring into our life people who validate belie like beliefs mm -hmm. that we already hold about ourselves. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the psyche wants to reinforce the narrative that's already there. Like that's the main thing that our psyche wants to do, even if that doesn't serve us, even if that keeps us in relationships mm -hmm. that are not healthy or that we're not enjoying, it's kind of like, whatever, this feels familiar. And yes. I knew, you know, if you're going into relationships being like, I'm going to be abandoned every single time. And then you get abandoned every single time that feels horrible, but your psyche is like, okay, see, I knew it. I can count right. on this. I'm going to expect this every single time. The certainty of misery is more comfortable than the misery of uncertainty. Yeah. And that works every single time. We're like, oh, okay, yeah, I'll be miserable. I know this path. It is so hard to trust that new path. Mm -hmm. It's also really hard to like see maybe on social media or learn that like your ex-partner is with somebody else yeah. and they appear to be so happy and you're stuck in the past. Ugh. Remember you are seeing everybody's best self being projected and mm -hmm. you are seeing what they want you to see. Nobody sees the behind the scenes. And you know, if like he picked his nose with you, he's picking his nose with her. Just remember that. Like. <laughs> and you're going to click with somebody else just yes. as good and probably better. Like take right. it from us. We've like me and Sarah have experienced this and you'll experience And I actually don't care how old you are. And that is true. Like yeah. if you are 60, 70, 80, I do not care. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'll never, I promise you there. If you are, if your heart is open to love and you are ready for it, there is somebody else who there's a freaking lid for every pot. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Exactly. It's true. 
Uh, let's do one more question. So this one is kind of an interesting one. I don't know if it's like asked the best way, but I'm going to answer it in the way that I feel like it should be answered. Okay. okay so yeah. the question is, can you please list some steps on how to deal with someone else's grief? For example, if someone betrays your trust, how can you tell the difference between them actually learning from their mistakes versus them just bargaining to get to get you to come back? So there is a grief stage called the bargaining stage, right? So let's say you break up because there's been a betrayal. Somebody cheated. Uh, so there's been a betrayal. There's been infidelity. You break up. And uh, as you're breaking up and going through the grief stage, you know, there's like depression and there's anger and there's denial. There's also bargaining. And in that bargaining stage, that's when you're like, I will do anything to get this person back. I've done everything wrong. Please forgive me. What can we do to make this relationship work? And I think that this is what this question is talking about. So you're in a relationship, you break up, and then your ex comes back and they're like, I've learned all my lessons. But are they just in the bargaining stage or have they really actually learned their lessons? Okay. I see. I see. And should you allow them to come back because they've learned their lessons and done the work? Or do you need to just be like, you're going through the bargaining stage, babe. Like, get through it without me. We're not doing this again. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just bargaining to come get you back. Yeah. They're like, I've learned all my lessons. I think this is another one where communication is, is the, is communication. And then also actions. Like I have actions, not words tattooed on my neck in Latin. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And it feels like something that is, I've even said this with love. Like what is love? I it's action. It's not just words and things like that. So maybe I think it's also important for the person who, is the betrayer of the trust to understand what actions you need to see in order to know that you are trusting them again. Yeah. What have they done right. in order to understand the impact that they had on you and why, how they contributed to the ending of the relationship? Uh, did they go to therapy? Did they do lots of journaling? Did they talk to their friends? <laughs> yes. Um, have they gone through an emotional journey and come out the other end? What have they learned about themselves? How have they grown? And it's tricky. Like that usually takes a long time. Yeah. It's it, yes. Cause like you need opportunities to yes. show this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you get back together during the bargaining stage of grief, we're just, again, bargaining is just like, I am desperately wanting you back so that I don't feel this pain anymore, which is different from I have done growth and right. gone to therapy and I have evolved and I've taken accountability. Like that's, you're doing that from a very wise place, Yeah. but the bargaining stage is a very desperate place of what can I do to get this person back? I'll say anything. You know and I mean? also let's, but let's make sure this isn't the like cycle of abuse mm-hmm. and like violence where this is like, I'm just going to get, say what I like, you know, what a narcissist would do, tell them everything mm-hmm. they want to hear, shower them with love, affection, just to build up their trust, just to then go right back to doing the same thing over mm-hmm. and over. So mm-hmm. that's where setting boundaries having expectations and, and clearly communicated boundaries and is mm-hmm. important. Mm-hmm. And then knowing what actions you need to see. Yeah. And also like trust your intuition. 
Listen exactly. to your gut. I think yeah. that's the biggest one that, my, I mean, my intuition was fucking right in so <laughs> many. And I was like, I freaking knew it. It's always right. So trust it. Yeah. That's, that's what I was going to talk about too, is that you know what, like, you know, if they're being desperate or if they've actually grown. Yeah. You can tell the difference. Yeah. And you also probably feel a little desperate yourself. So they're, uh-huh. they're they're offering you this, what looks like a gift of like, they're saying they don't want to feel any more pain. Please take me back. And here's a gift of you don't have to feel any more pain either if you take me back, which really you're bumping the pain down the road, aren't yeah. you? Like you're actually you're going to have to go through a bunch of bullshit. Uh, And I'm not saying we're not saying you shouldn't get back together in the bargaining stage. Like if you really want to do that, do that, but understand that this is a desperate place. You probably haven't grown. And Mm -hmm. uh, there was, I was stuck. I like, I get stuck in the bargaining stage for way too fucking long. I hate that stage and it is just it, but that stage loves me. Uh, and one of the things that I have to remember is like, that I'll do anything stage. Like you're in it yes. or you're receiving it. I'm in it. I'm oh, okay. in it. Like got I'm it, experiencing, I will do anything to get back together yeah. with you. And I have to remind myself that like, um, I probably can't do the growth that I need to do in order to actually give this relationship a real shot until I'm fully over them fully. Well, <laughs> until I'm like, over, right. until I'm <laughs> until I'm more over them than yes. I should be. Like I have to actually move through the bargaining stage, maybe like a handful of times until I get to the point where I actually don't really feel like I desperately need to be back together with them. Right. And I've kind of gotten over them a little bit. And totally. then if I actually want to get back together with them, cool. But I'm because not that's your make wise it. mind yes. talking, not coming from a place of fear, right. alert, alarm, or terror. Like that is right. a different panicky place. Mm-hmm. That and do you really want to be in a relationship with somebody who only says yes after you're like desperately right. begging? Yeah. That that sounds like they're a people pleaser, and they are going mm-hmm. to resent themselves for making that decision and saying yes to doing something that they didn't want to do. Kind of like going on a date when you're not really ready for it, or whatever. Right? Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So Man. it's 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 tough. This is like the bargaining stage. Somebody begging to get back together with you. It's intoxicating, you know. So it's yeah. This is why you should most likely take some time off and not talk for a while in order to do your healing on your own. And then if you want to come back together or if you want to talk again, make sure that you do that months later, a year later, like really try to get through it. Yeah. That's hard. Okay. Mm -hmm. I I don't have it in front of me, but what I'm reminded of is Brene Brown's braving the mm. the components of trust mm-hmm. that you need it's like boundaries reliability accountability right. being a vault yeah. uh integrity mm-hmm. and i don't remember what n is and I can't remember she is that. like i don't know giving them <laughs> the benefit of the doubt or something non-judgment what is it non-judgment non-judgment that's a good one andrea with the win and what's g gratitude maybe 
Gratitude sounds like a good word. <laughs> Gratitude. Generosity. Generosity. You got to be generous. There you go. Generosity. Like giving. That is. It is giving them the benefit out in a way. Do you want to say them again yeah. and we can edit it out like you knew and it wasn't me? No, we could no, just leave no. it in we'll there. You know, it's okay. I. I mean, I don't know everything. It's fine. <laughs> Sometimes we need a little help from our wonderful producers. It's important to demonstrate humility. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, but that that is what. You know, I, I, I kind of like have in the back of my head when trying to, I don't know, ask when I'm, when asking myself, is this a person I can trust? Mm-hmm. What have I seen? Have I seen these things? Right. And accountability. Mm-hmm. That's a big one. Reliability is this something can, I might, can I rely on the things they're saying or their actions matching their words, those kind of things. So mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah. Well, there's your grief episode. Yeah. Hope you're happy. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, grief is like a part of being a person and mm-hmm. it is so complex and painful and ongoing and just pokes its head up at little time. So I'm sure it is a subject that will poke its head up at, uh, you know, two times as oh, yeah. we keep going here and exactly. bringing you guys all of the wonderful therapy themed episodes. So keep your questions coming. You guys can check out our Instagram. Uh, this changes everything and submit questions there. We also have a phone number that you can find in the show notes and you can ask all of your amazing questions and we'll answer them. And uh, anything else, Jeff, from you? I think that's it. No, this was yeah. a good one. There you go. We'll see you next time. Okay, bye.